Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And on your screen, you can see Last of Us Part Two protagonist Ellie with a bow and arrow looking to take down a particularly mean-looking gentleman. And in case you missed it, The Last of Us Part Two didn't come out recently. It, in fact, came out last year. Of course, that release in and of itself was a video game that we did a number of videos on in this space. But the reason it's come up today is a bit unusual. For those of you that have been following Virtual Legality, you know that we have been following Apple versus Epic, Epic versus Apple, one of the biggest antitrust actions in the technology industry and certainly over the last 30 years or so. In fact, that court case at trial is about to start this very morning in about an hour or so. But as a part of any large court case, any litigation, you have the two parties going out there into the world and collecting information, not just from each other, but from other parties that the court actually uses its power to go get information from. And one of those parties has been Microsoft, as well as places like Valve and Steam, things we've talked about in this space. As part of that discovery process of collecting that information, certain things have leaked out over the past couple of months, including, but not limited to, this Verge article that says Microsoft explored reducing its Xbox store cut to shake up console gaming. We talked about it last week that Microsoft is reducing its PC store cut down to the 12% that has been championed by Epic through their Epic Game Store, and apparently they were looking at potentially lowering that rate at the console level before... Deciding not to, question mark, we don't know. Because this particular document was a simple table in amidst an entire myriad of documents that were disclosed as part of Epic versus Apple. And in fact, if you go on Court Listener, and I will link this to the description of this video, you can go and see however many hundreds and thousands of pages of material that you want to check out on this very site. Unfortunately, because I do run a law firm in my day job, I can't just sort through documents like this one to get to the good stuff, the information that's in these pieces of material that have been brought to the fore for this litigation between Epic and Apple. Fortunately, some people do go through this. And I want to give full credit where it's earned here to Game Positive at Game Positive YT, presumably for YouTube, check it out, who found a review that Microsoft conducted of The Last of Us Part Two, a Sony exclusive. Now, before we get into the specifics here, there's a couple of things I want to say. One of the things that I have mentioned in virtual legality pretty consistently from a business perspective is that these companies and companies in any industry are constantly evaluating their competition as well as potential partners, business partners. You sign non-disclosure agreements, confidentiality agreements between all sorts of entities in order to discuss potential partnerships. Don't forget, Sony is actually a major customer of Microsoft's server technology services, their Azure servers. And Microsoft and Sony have that business relationship while still being competing in a different industry, in particular, (laughs) video games here. Now, they reviewed The Last of Us Part Two as what we might consider competitive analysis. And certainly on my channel, I reviewed Last of Us Part Two as a video gamer, as somebody that really, really enjoyed The Last of Us Part One and didn't enjoy The Last of Us Part Two quite as much. Now, why didn't I enjoy it? Well, you can go check out this video for yourself if you're interested. I think it's about an hour long. But the reason I didn't enjoy it was as a story. And there's no question that The Last of Us Part Two is very, very focused on telling a story of some kind. 
the story that Naughty Dog wants to tell. And I didn't like that story. I thought it had narrative problems and beats within the actual characters that they presented that were wrongly informed and that kind of thing. And I did this video as well as looked at some of the interviews from Druckmann and Gross, the writers of The Last of Us Part Two, to discuss them with you. One of the things you'll find in those videos, however, is that I never disparage the artistic form of what went into The Last of Us Part Two. I called it perhaps the most beautiful game ever made. And the artistry on display is very, very high level, including the artistry on display in focusing on telling a story, which is not something that video games have traditionally been very good at. Now, The Last of Us Part Two, in its actual execution, I found wanting, but I certainly am in favor of games exploring more heavy stories in their frameworks. And in fact, with that all as background, we can look at what the Microsoft team evaluating one of the premier flagpole releases on their major competing platform actually put out there in their video game. So let's read it. The Last of Us Part Two, like its predecessor, is first and foremost a narrative adventure game. This is unlike Naughty Dog's other key franchise, Uncharted, where the narrative, while very well told, is there more to service the action-adventure gameplay. Now, I disagree with the very first sentence, but reasonable minds can differ on these kinds of things. I agree that Uncharted started there, where it was really about waste cover shooting, shooting some folks, the occasional cutscene, and a laugh. By the time you get to Uncharted 4, Uncharted 4, situated between Naughty Dog's releases of The Last of Us 1 and The Last of Us 2, is really leaning into trying to tell a story. It's one of the reasons I think Uncharted 4 works in some places and doesn't work in others, such as the complete surprise introduction of a brother character that never really feels all that right to me in playing that particular video game. You also get Uncharted 4 going a more dour direction than the previous Uncharted, right down to the slow-moving version of the Uncharted theme in order to tell serious stories, which Naughty Dog is very, very into right now, even though I don't think they pull them off terribly well. I certainly like their emphasis on storytelling and their desire to tell bigger and better stories. While there is plenty of stealth action in The Last of Us Part Two, the game's primary purpose is to immerse the player in the interactive narrative. The game pushes this idea even further than its predecessor by incorporating a number of extended walking simulator-style narrative chapters. These play out much like the first game's standalone expansion chapter, Left Behind. While these may not be what many gamers are expecting, they are exceptionally well done and really show what other games, especially pure narrative adventure games, should be aspiring to accomplish with their character dialogue, presentation, and voice acting. And again, note what the actual emphasis given here is. And I agree with this paragraph. There are chapters in The Last of Us Part Two, specifically ones that aren't just focused on violence and retribution and banal concepts that are not terribly well told in the story itself, that are focused on just characterization and environmental storytelling and walking through a space. This is one of the things I wound up going out there with in social media last year was that, hey, these games seem to be doing pretty well with museum visits because there were a couple of games that did a similar thing to The Last of Us Part Two last year, and maybe we should do that more. And in fact, The Last of Us Part Two did that well. That was perhaps my favorite chapter of that particular video game. It's interesting to see Microsoft and their internal folks here, however, reflecting on the fact that walking simulator-style narrative chapters can do something good, can do something well told for characterization, presentation, voice acting, etc., because those specific kinds of exploration segments are not really what I think of in my mind when I think of an Xbox exclusive, a Microsoft exclusive. It will be interesting to see if they move now with their many, many studios 
towards doing at least a little bit more of the kinds of things that Naughty Dog does in The Last of Us Part Two and Uncharted 4. In order to achieve the detail and believability of the character interaction and dialogue in the game, Naughty Dog has made a clear choice to sacrifice much of the player's agency in the story in favor of fixed outcomes in order to achieve the highest production values. And this is undoubtedly true, right? The Last of Us Part Two is entirely linear, an entirely linear experience with open-ended kind of combat sequences, but that will take you from point A to point Z on a story that Naughty Dog wants to tell you. Now, that means, from my perspective, that that better be a really darn well-told story with good, consistent character arcs and motivations. And I know a number of you love The Last of Us Part Two, so please leave in the comments to this video how wrong I am on saying that those character motivations are inconsistent. But if you do have those kinds of breaks, that you have those character inconsistencies, it's going to be even more harmful to the player experience than it might be in an open-ended game. You gotta be more careful about your writing and your storytelling if you're gonna go this direction. Even if you, dear viewer, might think that Naughty Dog did a good enough job in this particular instance. It's undoubtedly the case that you have to be more careful with that storytelling if you're going to specifically tell a specific story. That the player doesn't have the ability to greatly influence or determine the outcome of the narrative might prove anathema to many players and how they view their role in the video game experience. However, we would argue that not every video game must be about the player role-playing their character's story. The medium of interactive entertainment also needs games that drive stories where you are participating more in the capacity of an active observer, just like other mediums of entertainment. Otherwise, we're going to be locked into a limited number of stories to tell fantastic concepts from Microsoft here, and ones I couldn't agree with more. Every single video game does not have to be a role-playing experience, and ironically enough, Japanese role-playing games are the best example I can give of this. If you go and you play Final Fantasy VII, yes, you're controlling Cloud and his crew, but you are not controlling the path of the narrative. It is going to end in the same place no matter what you do to get there, and in that they can tell a story that they want to tell, much like Naughty Dog does with The Last of Us Part Two. Every single game should not be a Bethesda-style, create your own character, live your own life, whatever you want to frame that as, in Mass Effect terms, perhaps, or Dragon Age, whatever your favorite Bioware game might also be, that they don't all have to be that. While there's still a place for those, absolutely, I love those games, there's a place for telling stories in video games, much like movies, and in the case of Last of Us Part Two, telling a story that you may not want to live through. And certainly, if I thought the characterization was a little bit better presented, it doesn't bother me so much that they're telling a kind of dark and evil and angry and cynical and nihilistic story as much as it bothers me that I didn't think the narrative and the plot really kind of folded together in a way that was terribly satisfying. The game's narrative attempts to tell an emotionally relevant story of revenge and its moral and emotional impact on the lives of the people involved while at the same time trying to create a consistently engaging interactive experience. The player proceeds through two separate, fully realized campaigns, spoiler alert, I guess, one as Ellie and another completely different campaign as Abby, the woman Ellie has sworn to kill. Other games that have tried this in the past have stumbled by not letting players play as the hero characters they care about. But the Last of Us franchise doesn't really have heroes, just survivors. Both Ellie and Abby are well-realized and relatable characters, and playing through both of their stories does a tremendous job of showing how otherwise decent people can become trapped in a vicious cycle of horrifying violence. 
And again, I disagree with the effectiveness of the narrative that was presented in The Last of Us Part Two, but I do agree that what is described in this paragraph is what Naughty Dog sought to achieve. So if it worked better for you and your mileage may vary kind of terms, then I can see how you can get to a paragraph like this one. Certainly there aren't heroes, at least not traditional ones, uh, in The Last of Us universe, either in part one or part two. My primary issue is that I don't feel that Ellie and Abby are terribly well realized, that they kind of turn on a dime with decision-making and thought processes that aren't clear and make a plot-driven game even more plot-driven when the characters seem to be puppeteered by some invisible master at the writing desk that is telling them where they need to go in order to hit this next plot beat. The gameplay in The Last of Us Part Two is an expansion and notable improvement upon the previous game, which gave players little freedom of choice in the moment-to-moment gameplay. Most levels in the first game played out like little combat puzzle boxes, where there was a narrow predetermined right way to finish the mission, which made the effective strategy feel forced upon you. This is an issue that Uncharted has, perhaps more significantly than even The Last of Us Part 1. In this new game, the combat areas are significantly larger, the enemy AI greatly improved, and the number of ways you can clear a space or just avoid it altogether are greatly enhanced. The enemy AI is improved. One of the things I commented on in my video, of course, was that you can basically hide in tall grass and shoot things with a bow and arrow until everybody dies around you, and that's not great. It's your choice, of course, to take that particular attack, but... The enemy AI doesn't really get to show off when you're just picking people off and they show up to check on the body and you pick that person off in the next time. Your mileage may vary, again, on how you experience the actual gameplay itself. That said, and here's where shots would be fired if this were Microsoft making a document like this public on its own volition. Naughty Dog still can't seem to make decent gun combat in any of their games, and this one is no exception. Luckily for them, it fits in with the game's overall theme and pushes the player towards using stealth overhead on. And I tend to agree that compared with some other gunplay-based video games, Uncharted, Last of Us don't really have a very good video game feeling system. And I do think that while this reviewer says that they can't get gun combat in any of their games correct, they correctly point out that this actually serves The Last of Us pretty well that the clunkiness in The Last of Us Part 1 in particular makes it so that you're constantly missing shots and running for your life in a very survival-oriented experience. Last of Us Part 2 is pretty similar, although the gunplay is a little bit better than the first part in this particular chapter. One big gripe about the moment-to-moment gameplay was really with the game's inventory system. The inputs for weapon switching are all located on the D-pad, and there was no quick switch between current and previous weapons. So unless you've got an additional thumb on your left hand, who knows? then you're going to have to take your thumb off the movement controls on the left stack in order to switch weapons, which was notably frustrating during the more frenetic combat sequences. And this is getting into the nitty-gritty mechanics of the thing, right, as you would expect from video game publishers and developers themselves. This is one of those issues that I've never quite had in games of this type, but certainly there are folks that are big-time advocates for having bumper buttons and perhaps even reverse bumper buttons if you've got an Xbox Elite controller that can access these things without moving your thumbs off the movement sticks. Generally speaking, I consider it kind of a little bit of a challenge in order to manage your resources and what it is you're firing with. The visual quality and attention to detail in The Last of Us Part Two is absolutely best in class in basically every area, and the overall presentation is significantly ahead of anything that other teams have been producing on console and PC. We were frequently stunned by the quality of the game's visuals, something that sadly seldom happens these days. 
It's even more impressive considering that the game features two separate player characters with different groups of allies in different locations along with flashback sequences taking place years before. It features a shockingly wide variety of environments, weather, and day cycles in locations ranging from Wyoming to California. And again, here's another paragraph that I'm in entire agreement with. Wish they told a story I enjoyed more, but the actual art, the assets, the creation of this visual imagery, the animation, everything related to The Last of Us Part Two is 100% best in class. It is fantastic to look at. It is fantastic to see. It is perhaps not fantastic to actually play and experience, which is one of the reasons why when I talked about this game myself, I said it can all be for nothing, which is all these resources, all this talent, all these assets focused on a story that I just, in my opinion, don't think was worth telling. Players certainly have every right to their subjective feelings and opinions on the game's narrative, on Naughty Dog's choice to make players play as diametrically opposed protagonists, or in the game's final contentious outcome. And it's good. Yes, players do, in fact, have the right to experience the games that they buy in their own way. And certainly, if you love The Last of Us Part Two, more power to you. I'm not here to tell you that you shouldn't like something that you did like. I think that's great. I'd like to enjoy everything that I buy and I play. Sadly, I just didn't in this particular instance. Microsoft saying this here, however, is trying to kind of glide around what was some of the contention that Last of Us Part Two faced upon its launch. Continuing, they say... But as someone who cares deeply about the evolution and expansion of what storytelling and interactive entertainment can be, those things ultimately matter less than how incredibly well Naughty Dog have crafted and delivered the story that they wanted to tell. Not every game's designs can support the level of visual detail they produce, and not every team has the money or talent needed to produce it. But this game sets a new bar for what we should hope to be able to achieve going into a new generation of consoles. And I want to break down this paragraph because I think it's so important. I don't like the story of The Last of Us Part II. I think it's poorly told. But as this reviewer says, we, if we like stories in video games, and I think a lot of you that watch virtual legality do, should 100% be encouraging the naughty dogs of the world to continue to try to pursue deep, impactful stories in the video game medium. So this paragraph says, hey, you might not like this story, but... Naughty Dog is undoubtedly devoting the time, attention, writing, and resources to trying to craft a story. And they say this is the story they wanted to tell. I'm not as sure, having looked at the interviews and things and how much the story was changing right up to the very last minute, that even Naughty Dog was sure precisely what story it wanted to tell. And maybe the actual act of creating a video game and having so many people involved is potentially more problematic for telling a consistent story than it might be in other media. That's something to discuss as well. But I could not agree more with what Microsoft and their reviewer says here that we want to be encouraging this, particularly Microsoft that has not traditionally been telling stories through its video games quite as much as Sony and their particular studios. That there's a review internally at Microsoft saying this kind of thing should, if you like stories in video games, you want to see them continue to get better, really encourage you, I think, that Microsoft of all companies is looking at that and saying, hey, we want to try to do this potentially better. Finishing off their review, The Last of Us Part Two is the exceedingly rare video game where what it accomplishes in moving forward the art of narrative storytelling in video games as a medium ultimately outweighs whether or not everyone likes it or even if everyone has fun playing it. That said, we loved it, had a great time playing it, and find ourselves still thinking about its characters and stories even after finishing the playthrough. 
In other words, this is an internal corporate document, right? This is designed to be able to give to executives, maybe non-gamers, probably almost certainly non-gamers, that can talk about the products that their competition is putting out there for an audience that potentially these folks, these executives, don't belong to. They don't buy Xbox games. They don't buy PlayStation games. Hey, I'm seeing ads about this Last of Us Part Two. I know it's very popular. I saw it won the Game Awards, which would come in a couple of months, as being the best game of the year. What is this game? What does it mean? What does it mean to us? What do we need to be worried about? What do we need to know? And this is the one-page kind of description that is very, very well written. I wish... I got reviews of video games in major journalistic outlets that had this much kind of substance to them about what the game means, both mechanically when we talk about things like inventory buttons and what it means to the video game medium on the whole. I didn't see this when The Last of Us Part Two came out. I saw a lot more superficial fluff, but I love the depthfulness of this kind of discussion. And Microsoft is looking at these kinds of things. The Last of Us Part Two, this title details, this entire setup to this page is suggestive of the fact that they do this for a lot of the major competitive releases so that they know what they should be focused on and where they should put their resources for their Xbox ecosystem. And I think that's fantastic. And Nintendo is undoubtedly doing it. And Sony is undoubtedly doing it. They just haven't had reason to give documents to Epic versus Apple. And they're potentially very fractious fight going to court now in just under an hour. So if you like this, you know, please consider supporting the channel. This has been Virtual Legality for today. We're talking about the business and law of video games, music, movies, television, and pop culture all the time. We've got a Patreon. We've got Streamlabs. We've got a store with shirts and mugs. Or if you just want to help us grow, please subscribe, ring the bell, give us an upvote, give us a downvote. If you really just love The Last of Us Part Two and you want to stick it to me, I don't mind. And more than anything, tell your friends that we're having these conversations because every little bit helps. Tell YouTube that we're here. Tell the algorithm that we're here and that we're having these fun discussions really almost every day at this point. If you caught this in YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.